0: Hello everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you all could join us this beautiful October day. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we welcome you all.
1: We will start with our morning prayer. This morning I'm reading from 165 of Miscellany. Goodness never fails to receive its reward, for goodness makes life a blessing. As an active portion of one stupendous whole, goodness identifies man with universal good. Thus may each member of this rise above the oft-repeated inquiry, what am I? To the scientific response, I am able to impart truth, health, and happiness. And this is my rock of salvation and my reason for existing. Mary Baker Eddy.
0: Beautiful, thank you. Should be ours as well. Okay, the watching point.
2: Watch number 234. Watch lest you believe that you will need protection from the wind of error all your days, lest it blow out your spiritual flame. Will progress bring the demonstration that will enable you to know that the wind only causes your spiritual fire to burn more brightly? Surely this was true in the case of our leader. When Gilbert Carpenter was at Mrs. Eddy's home, she taught him this rule of protection she instructed him to handle every claim by knowing that he was the better and stronger for it that every effort of error to harm him only made him better and lifted him higher let us suppose a claim of epidemic was rampant how would you handle it Could you not realize that air never created anything and never could? Therefore, the only epidemic must be the presence of God's encircling love, which mortal sense is distorting. And so we are stronger and better for love's presence and safe from all harm. Thus, we can realize in Christian science That every time air claims to throw us down, it only serves to put us in contact with our Father, Mother, God, whom will arrive a constant renewal of life. End quote. I just
0: love that. That's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Any comments?
3: Well, this is awesome. And it's really very helpful. You know throw us down and we get right back up with god
0: <laughs> yes stronger <laughs> than before <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: and and i know my own experience and i know in your experiences that is what happens isn't it you get this understanding and oh my gosh you've gone up the scale of being
1: florence but it's really a part of the probation, um, Mrs. Eddy says on page 195, I see, she says that probation progress goes on until there is no life, substance, or intelligence in matter. So the storms are part of it, the storms are part of this probation. When they come, we still have to know the nothingness and the powerlessness if we're going to know the, the allness of God. And this is what this um, what she's saying. And it will only make you better. It will. It makes you just run to God and stay there, and know more about Him. So in, instead of fearing and running away, always running away, which it will follow, <laughs> you might as well turn around and know that it's making my light brighter.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Where was that quote from, Mrs. Eddie?
1: From? Uh, One ninety-five of uh, the blue book. The blue book. I should have, I should have known.
0: <laughs> <Surprised>. <laughs> that was lovely. Thank you. And and tying that into our topic today, probation after death. Um, anyone else on this watching point?
3: Well, in the blue book on page eighty-nine, um, Mrs. Eddie says. Uh, just he, she says. Um, referring to Jesus, he said, even he he even was tempted and you are enduring temptation. That is all and are growing under it. You will come out of this 10,000 times as strong in truth as you went into it. I I really like that. And I, I like also how she, oh, excuse me. It's wonderful. Go
0: ahead. I love it, too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but the, how she turned, the, how, how that word epidemic, and, and Eustace does this in his book, too. Um, he uses, he talks about, you know, if the word is God, then every word, even though it seems to have a bad connotation, when we turn it around and see it, well, it's got to be a word for God, here he, here he uses it as an epidemic, It's an epidemic, meaning God's encircling love is the only epidemic. So that takes all the power out of it to be awful, you know, to be something to fear. And I, I really like that about this, too.
0: Yes, thank you. That's wonderful. Such good points. Yeah, and we're taught here, right where the problem seems to be is only the very presence and power of God, and you can prove it. Turn it around. And yeah the the beautiful readings Wednesday on temptation. And when you're struggling, you realize it is temptation. It's getting it's wanting it's pressing on you to believe that God is not all. It's pressing on you to doubt. It's pressing on you to fear. It's pressing on you to feel hopeless or discouraged. it's coming, it comes and comes and it seems aggressively to get you to bow down to a false god and that's when you've got to hang on i I was thinking of peter's song blow winds blow (laughs) and and god's image will be revealed so that those are the temptations it's always suggestion then it seems to manifest in some real thing but it's still an illusion it's always that temptation to believe in something other than god almighty
1: who else
4: and in in reality it's no different than a math test is it
1: no not really
4: you're given a problem solve it when when these things come to us they're like a math test they are a problem solve it and christian science has the answer and if you solve it instead of run from it or accept it as a real problem without a solution then if then you grow and that is how we grow and we we learn in christian science it's a requirement (laughs) in order for us to grow
0: and and that's why sometimes i get the question asked well you know i've just had this wonderful time praying and studying i'm feeling so uplifted and then boom something <laughs> happens well that's because yes you are in the classroom you've just been <laughs> taught all this stuff and now here's your test take it that's why so you can prove what you've studied your exalted sense of something you can prove it to be true and and once it's proven it's it's wonderful. It reminds me of that story. I'm going to get into Spurgeon a little bit later, but he tells the story of a preacher who visited a woman who he noticed in her Bible next to some verses she would have P, and he would say, "Well, what does that mean?" And he she said, "That means precious. That <laughs> I love that verse. It's precious." And then another verse would have PT, and he said, "Well, what does that mean?" she said well that means proven and tried so i mean it's a beautiful thing to do to think about you know in other words that's a statement i have proven and tried and and know it know it to be true so anyway it was a very dear conversation with this dear stalwart woman in her bible
4: like david wouldn't go fight goliath with any weapon he hadn't proved thank you yeah Yeah. and, yeah, and and what what happened with Jesus after he just spent forty days yeah. in the wilderness praying?
1: Tempted, tempted.
4: Yeah, and then after he 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 after he resisted and overcame all those temptations, dozens of people, sick people, came to him for help. Right? Yes. And he healed them all.
0: So you you see the uh, sequence of events there. And that's how it comes. Now, Nancy had a wonderful experience this week. I was going to have her speak to.
5: Yes, well, uh, in the beginning of the week, uh, one of my family members uh, was feeling quite unwell and asked to be taken to be tested for this Nameless Name nothing. <laughs> and in looking for a place to go, there was uh, seemed to be a lot of red tape. You had to have appointments and everything. And another family member had mentioned a little uh, mom and pop pharmacy nearby. I decided to just put this person in the car and just go over without calling. Uh, we walked in and the pharmacist greeted us with a big smile, no mask, and said, come right on in. I'll take care of you. No problem at all. So while he was administering the test, my family member asked him uh, why you're not wearing a mask. And he said, because I'm not afraid. Although I respect everyone's choice, whether to wear one or not, I personally am not afraid. And I refuse to live my life in fear. He went on to tell us that with the media and the government, they've gotten so out of control and everyone has gotten people into a state of fear uh, he said we are constantly being bombarded with the news and various opinions, and having all of this forced upon us and trying to control us, so that at the least little thing, people are coming in. The least little symptom, they're just in a panic. And uh, he said he was speaking from his own personal experience with this nameless nothing, and that our bodies are naturally made to fight these things. And he told my family member, "You just." have to not be afraid and listen to all this hype, you have to fight it. And the wonderful thing was that I could see this, my family member changing, where before there was such weakness, he was getting strength. And um, I was so grateful for this and for the uh, pharmacist's positive statements because I really did feel he was an angel and his words broke this mesmerism because we walked out in a different frame of mind than when we went in and all is well <laughs> and all is well yes of
0: and course and
4: the test was negative
1: yes the and
5: test the test is negative
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that, that it says that it needs a believer every error needs a believer yeah. thank right? you
0: yes a belief and a believer
4: they are both one and the same nothing i i've been
6: meaning to look this up it's either in the blue book or the red book it talks about how animal magnetism is creating a belief and then getting people to fear it
7: yeah yeah
0: until a law a law seems to be made and then it all seems to be happening a mortal law but yes it's a wonderful quote in the blue book Uh, the sequence again of the lie and the liar, the belief and the believer. Um, so if you're not going to listen, not listening. And you see Nancy's been praying, and she also got help before she went uh-huh. to do this. But she's also been praying very diligently about all this. And God opened up the way and the perfect solution. What was that? Hello.
8: Hello. I I just wanted to bring that great uh, quote: "Error," and it might not be exactly like that, but error comes asking for life, and we give it all the life
0: that it has. Right, that's one. uh, Yes,
4: that's that's a good one. That's right.
0: This is another one though about the belief, right, in getting getting animal magnetism, getting people to believe it, and then creating a mortal mind law, and then seeming to have the effects of that mortal mind law but it's all all and, belief
4: and this is how false wicked but
0: thank you forms,
4: yeah this is how false and wicked forms of government <laughs> like socialism and communism and marxism this is how they operate isn't it they will find a belief that they can get people to fear and then they will grind it <laughs> they will promote it so that they can gain more control And it's all belief.
0: And then they they begin to dictate to you what you should or shouldn't do, rather than God and and your individual rights. And this is what must be guarded against. And the reason we, we give it names, but it's all animal magnetism. That's what it is. It's a carnal mind and it's animal magnetism. And um, that's what the carnal mind and animal magnetism does. It, it works to get control through domination and fear and, and get you away from the father, mother, God. Does it have intelligence? No. Where does it come from? Where does the darkness come from? Where does two plus two equal five come from? It's, it's a mistake about the truth. It's a counterfeit. It comes from nowhere. And when the light shines, it goes nowhere.
8: So Yeah, I've seen one of the best t-shirts, it says, fear is a virus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that's right, it is. So, thank you, Nancy, and thank you, Karen, that was such a wonderful watching point. I'm going to put it in my folder. And also, I thought the watch last night, it, it speaks to all of this, and to probation after death. These are quotes from the Red Book that Bruce found. Beyond and above this mortal and material sense of being exists the immortal and spiritual facts of all things to bless and beautify our lives. So why not dwell there? Why not dwell in the in the land of understanding and joy and um, instead of in this world of beliefs and horror, the Adam dream. And then the, the other quote too, Be this the stars in our night, makes me want to cry, it's so beautiful, that God is love, that every step of goodness is a departure from material sense and self and the entrance into man's spiritual selfhood. So those of you who are awake at night struggling with things, which we all are, I certainly am. Let this be your star in the night, that God is love. And that every step of goodness is departure from material sense and self and the entrance into man's spiritual selfhood. Again, this is the probation after death. And this is the, um, the, the beautiful thought. And what was that article? Shardy reminded me of a beautiful article by Mrs. Eddy. The name of it is which which article remember the beginning of the week we're going to end with it today and um it is just for today oh just for for today yes just for today see (laughs) i get people off guard (laughs) i know i was so (laughs) ron told me the funniest story (laughs) I, I he probably didn't think it was funny but I about when I called on him a week or so ago and he was in the in the car and he
5: couldn't he couldn't get to the
0: phone to answer and anyway the Again, the sequence of events that happened to poor guy. And anyway, but he was trying valiantly. I want you all to know that he was trying valiantly to answer. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I sometimes don't call, especially on the out-of-town people, because I don't know where you are, what you're doing, or if you have your paper in front of you or not. So. It's not that I'm trying to be partial to the people around here, but here, this table, table I can (laughs) see who has a paper in hand and who doesn't. (laughs) Makes a big difference. So anyway, those are beautiful thoughts and beautiful ways to think of probation. And just for today, just for today, we focus on what we have to do and how to be better. And this lesson beautifully tells us with Again, we have the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's
4: all the instruction we all need. All
0: the instruction we need. It is, and we'll get into that. But before we do, <clears> I have a few other things. Now Carol is going to tell of her something she wrote to me. Don't look at me that way, <laughs> Carol. Oh, my, God. Oh my, God. Oh my God. I have no idea. <laughs> I have the paper here. It really did happen. <laughs> yes.
7: Yeah. Yeah, um, when I was reading this lesson on, I think it was Friday morning, uh, I just could see in my mind's eye something that happened several years ago, many years ago, um, when Mrs. Evans's mother passed, um, she had been uh, not feeling well for a couple of days, and um, we took turns going in and, and sitting with her and praying and whatnot. And um, uh, when I, I went at my lunch hour on uh, this one particular day, and she had just passed. And uh, so I was there when Mrs. Evans came in. And she came in and just was very quiet for a couple of minutes. And then she said, Now you know you were never born into matter. <laughs> and that just blew everything. It was just, I, I thought that was the most beautiful thing. And like, what does earth mean? <laughs> you know, she was never born into matter. This is all a dream. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we got to do our best to make it a good dream, but uh, it, it's just a dream. And it just seems so clear. And it just blew the whole <laughs> everything away. Yes. That's great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and, you know, that goes along with in the lesson, which I, I don't think I ever noticed before, but we have no right to say that life depends on matter now, but will not depend on it after death. Well, interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, everything of our heart, our lungs, everything is so dependent on matter. If we don't have that, we're not going to live. Well, we know darn well we do live afterwards. And there's no matter. So what? what is life? Ha- how can life be dependent on matter? That just makes no logical sense.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: That is what's so wonderful about Mrs. Eddy and what she... discovers. Yes, she discovers. Yeah, And again in the lesson, life is eternal. We should find this out and begin the demonstration thereof. Life and goodness are immortal. Let us then shape our views of existence into loveliness, freshness, continuity, rather than into age and blight. Yes, and this life might seem like a dream, but actually when you're living in the the kingdom of heaven, this is reality. You can have that kingdom of heaven now. This is why we do all this work, to to prove this reality. Because I used to think everything's all just a dream. Well, life is but a dream. Well, if you're living in the Adam dream, yes. But when you're living in God, it's not a dream. It's very real.
4: And that's how you shape your views of existence properly, Mm -hmm. to see the reality behind everything that might appear to be material. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes.
0: The word loveliness, the quality of being very beautiful and attractive. Freshness, undecaying, the quality of being pleasantly new or different. And then continuity, unbroken and consistent existence or operation of something over a period of time. And then uninterrupted connection, our connection with God uninterrupted. This is life. I love those words. Think about those words and apply them to yourself. Loveliness, freshness, continuity. Shape your views as you go about your day. Are you expressing loveliness, freshness, continuity? And it goes with the lesson, uh, golden text. Lillian.
7: As Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life.
0: Thank you. Freshness, newness, loveliness, continuity. Every day, make it that. I, I, I loved um, Dale, her testimony. Is she there? Well, Dale. Both Dale. Dale, Dale, A. Dale A., yeah, how her neighbor, those of you heard it. I don't know if you want to speak to it, Dale A.
3: I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was on I was on mute with my phone and I was on mute there. I heard it say I was put on mute. But anyway, I've been using that um every day I and mean, sometimes during a day and it really makes a difference. So the ones that didn't hear, um my neighbor was always in a good mood and I um, asked him, you know, how that would happen. He's not a particularly religious person. And he said, I choose my mood every day when I get up in the morning. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, what a simple thing to do and what a difference it makes.
0: Yes. And then his mood was um, joy, gratitude, and and love, to be loving. Right. And grateful. Yes. And, and 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 we could all use more of that, especially <laughs> me. You know?
5: Yes.
0: And the way you give it, you know, you said when you gave it, you said, I'm feeling better already.
3: <laughs> yes. And and I and I was, and it's really made a difference.
0: It's wonderful. It it's sometimes the most simplest thought that can be the most powerful.
4: <laughs> and it, and Mrs. Eddie tells us whole the right yeah, hold the right model in thought, right? Well, that's the right model.
0: Yes, and I think Florence was gonna say steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true. And then what happens?
7: You'll bring them into your
0: experience according to the portion of your... Yeah, you a your Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. paraphrase, but yes, you bring you'll bring them into your experience by holding them in your thought. That's understanding versus the beliefs. Now, if you go around just thinking of the beliefs, then you're going to seem to bring that into your experience as well. <laughs> Lawrence, were you going to say anything or, or anyone
1: else? No, no, I, Um, one thing about imparting, in in this way, in all the ways that have been mentioned, you're proving it, you're living it, so you're proving it and, and that's how you impart it. So I think that's what uh, Dale's, Dale A's uh, testimony is about. Yes, yeah. Now, Carol, in
0: her email to me, she also mentioned something else that happened. Now, let me just say a few things. Um, Mrs. Evans Parents, George and Alice were greatly beloved by Mrs. Evans, but she would always say it was her father that was the real scientist. Her father was the one who had all the, the real understanding and um, was a tough scientist. Her mother, she would always talk about Alice, was just this very, very nice person. Never said a mean word about anybody. Just very nice. I think this is what drove Mrs. Evans crazy. (laughs) I mean, as far as about niceness, because, you know, she wouldn't take a stand on anything. And and Mrs. Evans would even say she would deliberately sometimes to be be very, very naughty just to get her mother to do something as a child. Yes, as a child, to get her mother to do something. She said, finally, one time her mother spanked her or something and she was so grateful (laughs) that her mother cared enough to stop her from being so naughty because evidently mrs evans had a lot of spunk Spunk. yeah (laughs) her father would wouldn't tolerate anything like that so in her later years um after mrs evans father george passed on um her mother eventually just took to to bed um and Mrs. Evans was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. She just it was like without George there Alice didn't couldn't Yeah, couldn't function because she had been the real he had been the real Christian scientist. So she took to bed. It's and years. for yeah, I mean mm-hmm. and and um Mrs. Evans she that's one, the first ch- church house she bought. She bought mainly for a place for her mother and then there was another dear lady in our church who lived with her and took care of her. But not that she needed a lot. She didn't need a lot. She just needed her meals. She seemed quite fine, right, Carol? She did. Yeah, yeah she, she was
7: bright and... Um, yeah,
0: sunny, and happy. She, and, yeah.
4: She, she just, just didn't want to get out of bed. She just yeah. didn't
0: want to get out of that bed. So anyway, go ahead with the last story about her.
7: The, uh,
0: when you told her, she yeah. kept saying, I don't know what to do.
7: Yeah, she was, um, she was half asleep, half awake. It was... Shortly before she did pass and, and she was um this one night she was just kind of moaning and just saying, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do and she said it over and over and over. And finally I just said very quietly, You do know what to do and she sat up both <laughs> and she said, I don't know what to do <laughs> <clears throat> and she back down.
2: <laughs> scared
5: oh my.
7: thought <laughs> so I'd done something very terrible. But then later on Ms. said, Thank you so much for doing that. She said that was needed. Thank you. So it was the right thing.
0: Yes. Yes. You know. But it shows uh, that there's a, a sometimes a feistiness on the wrong side. Especially <laughs> yeah. she, she didn't want to be told that she didn't know what to she, she, she said. Did. I don't know what to do and don't tell me I do. <laughs> so um, and that operates. And, and, you know, and sometimes in this healings of Mrs. Eddie, there'll be examples. There was that little boy that kept saying he was sick or something. He was sick. Yeah. And then she uh-huh. said, "No, not sick. And he went, "Oh, I am, yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I am, too. <laughs> So uh, I just thought that was I, I. If I'd heard that story, I hadn't remembered it. But that's how it works, and this is this is why. in many times in conversations with people, when they tell me I don't know what to do, I always say, "You do know what to do. Of course you know what to do. You're going to talk yourself into thinking you don't know what to do. You do know what to do. I know. In my own case, I'll often I have to be careful. I'll say, "I don't know," or "I don't know. I don't know yeah. what." To no if god is your mind you absolutely know what to do don't argue on the wrong side argue on the right side you do know what to do so there (laughs) (laughs) elsie always says if god knows i know (laughs) that's right elsie elsie's a good strong worker
4: (laughs) and that's why you know no matter what you're facing you have to demand the blessing demand the blessing there is a blessing there don't let it get to you don't
1: believe the lie don't believe the distortion right
4: exactly yeah
0: <coughs> so who knows i mean alice might have been debating whether she should go on or not or something like that
7: that's what i think it was yeah
0: you know. so and uh you know they okay. Mrs. Evans would always tell us, you always make a choice. It doesn't just happen. You've made a choice. And I know in every experience that I've seen a person go on, I've seen that choice. It usually doesn't just happen all of a sudden either. It's a choice they've been making for a while. They've been giving up on life and accepting the negative. Um, That's why this is just for today. We have to keep our thoughts um, with God. And, and loving life with a capital L, the true sense of it. Now, um, dear Carrie, she sent me this wonderful book, uh, folder, I guess. It's called Library Notes, and it's a Daystar Foundation publication. Now, Daystar is a Christian science library in Oklahoma. Tom, Tom is here, right? Tom, yeah. do you want, Tom knows of it. Do you want to say anything, Tom?
6: I'm here. Would you want me to talk about?
0: <laughs> the day, the daystar Sorry. library.
6: Oh yeah. So um it's interesting. It's kind of nice. I've, I've you know, it's uh, interesting when when a library is like um, independent of the Boston Church, right? Because it doesn't seem like in general that people do those things. But on the other hand, when you look at what is it's a library, it just looks like a repetition of like Christian Science Monitor and sentinel journal and a few other things like that um but there are a couple interesting things there so there were some uh tapes that were made uh about what was that george glover's grandson i think not quite sure but um i think it was his grandson um so there are a few things there and then there's that person that was in chicago Someone could tell me who his name is, who who died tragically, but they have some publications from him.
8: No, Neil? Neil?
0: No, I know Mary
6: Baker Eddy loved him a lot. Yes, yes. Um, Um, He had Carol Carol
0: Norton. Carol Norton.
6: Norton. Yes, Carol Norton. They have Carol Norton, um, and they have these tapes about. uh, Yeah, it's clever.
0: It's an interview with grandson. Yeah, the grandson of Mrs. Eddie. She's being interviewed by I think her name was Smouse. Anyway, it was Smouse. Uh, S M A U S. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie did all this, but were you actually there, Tom? Did you? Oh, a-
6: I think this is in Oklahoma.
0: Right. Yeah, it's in Oklahoma. But I
6: was in the town where George Glover lived. I saw his house. I saw the cemetery. And so. Oh yeah, Dakota.
0: in South Dakota. Where
6: George Glover lived, right? So. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Well, this was so inter- in
6: South Dakota okay yeah, yeah
0: the library right the library is in Oklahoma and you can listen to this interview um, of which tells a, I imagine a lot of interesting things about mrs. Eddie so um so anyway she sent me this big folder which you I guess you can order if you want to and it has all these notes which are beautiful interesting um, like newsletters about Early workers mostly, and about other things as well. But um, the one that I'm going to refer to today is about a, a Mrs. Bogue, Martha Bogue, and she was the one in <laughs> in a recent watch message, and in a recent art article written by Nancy Bouchon in Texas, she quotes um, Martha mm-hmm. Bogue quoting Mrs. Eddie. I'm sorry I didn't bring that quote today, but it was something about the way to save the world. And the only way to save the world is to uh, know the, that God is all in all and that evil is nothing. That's a paraphrase. but um, And and so, Carrie, I mean, and, and me too, I didn't know a lot about this Martha Bogue. So it was a very interesting uh newsletter about her and some of the things she says were very interesting um she talks about and she's quoting Mrs. Eddy in the in this article she talks about this Mrs. Gestefeld who was a talented and prolific writer we spoke about her a while ago she was around during Mrs. Eddy's time but um but it says she brazenly mixed Christian science with theosophy Theosophical concepts, and thus conveyed Mrs. Eddy's revelation to the public, utterly devoid of its inherently Christian foundation. And this is what New Age is about. And... Um,
4: well, she turned out to be the founder of the New Age movement.
0: Right? Yeah, in many regards, in she was. One of the founders. In those days, it was called New Thought. It was also said that... Um, Mrs. Eddy said that if Jesus had not declared his divine origin, he would not have been crucified. If she, Mrs. Eddy, had not declared that science was revealed was revealed truth, mortal mind would be proud of it. She had feared that the truth was to be crucified again, that it would be so mixed with error that it would be lost. That was what Mrs. Gestefeld was doing in trying to simplify her book. But Mrs. Eddy hoped and felt that it would not be. And then she said, and you see, Martha Bogue was in Mrs. Eddy's classes. And what she would do, you couldn't take notes then, so she would go home and write everything. But but yes. And Carrie made the point, and it's a good one, that in doing that, when you're not writing notes, you have your, your sole attention on what they're saying. And so, when you get home and, and you pray that God will give you what you need, you can honestly get the the real gist and heart and soul of what was saying. Rather than when you're taking notes, you can sometimes be distracted by your note-taking, which is why I'm sure Mrs. Eddy did not allow it.
6: Joseph Mann talks about
0: that. He does? Okay. Well, anyway, so this is more. She said, Mrs. Eddy, we must come into a common brotherhood as numbers as numbers could not be separated It is so with us. Each one has his place, and there could be no envy, pride, vainglory, crowding, or jostling. That at present, there was as much of this apparent in the ranks of Christian scientists as among those outside. Then she stopped and said, Students, there are enough in this room to convert the whole world to truth if you will hold together. Now that's the quote we know. I'll paraphrase of it each one in this, in his own place not to try to do what has already been done not to try to write books but to study what we had and be content to grow that those who were explaining and simplifying her books might be better studying them and demonstrating what was there i just thought that was very good And, of course, we know the early workers were they were being taught by her. So what they wrote was the fruit and the heart and the soul of her teachings, which is why we are so careful what we sell on our website and what we advertise, because it's very easily diluted. And um, she talks about uh, the church. She she um She said Mrs. Eddy was almost insistent that Christian scientists, quote, must be externalized as a religion and to the world that meant a church edifice, not meeting in concert halls or theaters, no matter how beautiful. And then they did, did. this was in Chicago, they built a huge church in Illinois. And then she said, this was a sort of commitment to the concept of church and its organization that Mrs. Eddy valued in Christian scientists. The lessons learned through discipline, working, and praying together and yielding up personal opinions in favor of the divine plan with its collective blessing were indispensable and were not likely to be acquired without the structure of the church organization. A prominent Christian scientist who was a legal expert recall Mrs. Eddy is speaking of those scientists who say that there should be no organization as, quote, not knowing what they are talking about. End quote, and went on to quote her as having commented, "Quote, organization is a simple matter. For all of its importance, it is simply a matter of doing things by working together." End quote. Mm-hmm. Now that that is the heart and soul, and you see, I believe we can have a spiritual organization. Loosely, you know, loosely, not big control and I'm in control of everybody and everything and all the churches, but there is a value of it and it it keeps you disciplined. It keeps you on the straight and narrow way. We have to keep coming back to our watches, to whatever we're doing, reading the lesson, writing lessons, proofing, whatever we're doing. It keeps us grounded. And plus, then we have to get along with each other. And when you're just by yourself And royal solitude, as Mrs. Eddy says, that might not occur as well. So I thought that was an interesting quote. And then this, Mrs. Bogue was a real firecracker. So um, Mrs. Bogue, whose life appears to have been one of continual challenges, yes, and it was, and battles to see right prevail, well, She understood the importance of a strong rebuke And she realized that what is wrong Must be rebuked, not appeased And then this is a quote from one of her articles In an early Christian Science Sentinel with Ker- Which Carrie sent to me And we should have in our liberator at some point Quote, someone has well said It is well to rise above violence It is well to ri- rise superior to anger But if peace means final acquiescence with wrong, if your aim is less than justice and peace for everyone, then your peace is a crime. Mm -hmm. When one finds himself crying for peace, let him ask the question, peace with what? Peace in what? He who is conquering fear, envy, ambition, anxiety, sensitiveness, anger, all the passions, the works of the flesh, is not crying for peace because he already has it. Paul's understanding of truth did not keep the viper from fastening his hand, excuse me, fastening upon his hand, but it did prevent his being poisoned. John's understanding did not keep him from being thrown into the boiling oil or being exiled to Patmos. But it did prevent the oil from doing him any harm, while on Patmos, he received the revelation. We cannot separate the scientists from science. And so, amid the jarring testimony of the material senses where the smoke of battle seems the thickest, right there, it is ours to acquaint ourselves with God and be at peace. The peace that will prove abiding and invoiable.
4: Inviolable
0: Inviable <laughs> Which means <laughs> Can't be violated Can't be violated Can't be taken away I thought that Good for her That was a good Example of real peace Of what the real peace is Otherwise it's a crime If you make peace with error It is a crime
6: No, no truce with error Like we talked
0: about The last study. Right Yes Absolutely No truce. Truce with error
4: But if you are at war with hatred, at war with anger, at war with, you know, whatever is ungodlike, then you are at peace. (laughs) In your warfare, you have peace. Because you have all the power of God within you. Thank you. And this idea of church also. Um, you know, it's 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 really fascinating. Uh, after our experience of being excommunicated from the Boston organization, we have learned so much that has been so helpful not only as an organ not, not only as a church, but individually. To to know that the whole that, that God supports us individually and when we, are, when we allow that to happen, we actually work together really well. And when people come into our church and feel uncomfortable and can't get along, well, you know, we, we, we love the hell out of them. <laughs> and they either learn to let God guide them or they take themselves out. We, we, we don't excommunicate. God does it for us when necessary.
0: Now, one other thing, thank you, that I, I wanted to mention. Um, I, I didn't. I deliberately didn't read uh, what Louise wrote on the bulletin board because um, she she mentioned it was very beautiful how she had been um, after Ingrid's testimony that she was. Um, she said it prompts me to recall my instantaneous healing that resulted from comments made by Ingrid, I guess it was at the round table, May 10th, 2020, which after I immediately gave up all eating of meat, I've rejoiced as I prepared many vegetarian dishes ever since that day with so much gratitude to God for a large variety and delicious taste of his many beautiful fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And my gratitude continues for Ingrid's sharing on that day. And she quotes a uh, Mrs. Linscott asking Mrs. Eddy if it was right to kill chickens for food, and Mrs. Eddy replied, you do not take life, do you? Now, to me, that's an argument more why you wouldn't be a vegan or a vegetarian. But, and I guess, well, this person was concerned maybe we would think that Mrs eddie was a vegetarian or a a vegan which we know she was not and i just want to make that clear she did eat meat we know that jesus ate fish it was a very different time she had maybe a cow or a couple pigs on her property at pleasant view there weren't these and think of the word slaughterhouses. and i can remember even as a child my mother saying she was going to the butcher i said why in the world would you go to a butcher (laughs) i mean (laughs) So, um, we we are progressing, and I wanted to read, because this is how I got into this discussion last week, and it was a quote I didn't have, but it was one Linda found in Teaching and Addresses, which I just passed me by. It shows when you're not interested, you don't see it. Kimball says, men are great murderers. They believe in being sustained by the death of other living creatures and things. Question asked, how do you justify meat eating? answer, I don't. I eat less and less meat all the time. The body is 85% water, and we do not need so much solid foods as commonly used. That's Kimball. And then there was also, in 1884, February 2nd, in the Christian Science Journal, an article which I've referred to before, what we eat. And he says pretty, very strongly, no, no, you don't go killing things so you can Feed yourself. It's not even in Genesis one, okay? It talks about nuts, fruits, plants. There's a strong argument for this. Am I a vegan or vegetarian? No, I'm not. I'm I'm sort of like Kimball, I'm working toward it. But um, as I've said, I don't believe we're gonna be killing animals in the kingdom of heaven, do you? (laughs) And in this article, What We Eat, It says, the God of life gives us his children, gives us his children an abundance of all that is necessary in cereals, fruits, and vegetables to sustain life, blossoming on the breast of the dear mother nature. First a blade, then a flower, then then a rich fruitage to abundantly satisfy the most exacting appetite. Think of these things. Taking a life with a view to sustain your own is wrong in principle, selfish in practice, and devoid of the apology of necessity. These articles were approved by Mrs. Eddy in those days, 1884, Christian Science Journal. So I the reason I bring this up, it's totally up to you and your conscience, and everyone's in a different place, as Ingrid has so beautifully said. But we need to be open to some of these thoughts and the practices and what I've seen and heard about the way the animals are so mistreated and all of that—how can any of that be right? It isn't right. I don't think anyone can justify that.
6: So, if you don't have, she okay. says, uh, "Go gently from matter to spirit," so which made told me everybody's welcome just go at your own pace. Go gently.
0: Thank you. And do not yes, thank
6: you. absolutely.
0: Uh, yes, and again, this is not that we don't take a position about this. It's individual, entirely up to you, to your own growth and conscience and all of that. And uh, so, but, but I did want to make it clear, if I didn't want anyone to think that Mrs. Eddie was a vegetarian, she was not. But I think she was open.
2: She didn't eat a lot of food and a lot she of She did not. No,
0: she stuff. didn't. Now, I'm very sorry because... No. I wanted to get into the Beatitudes today, and I would suggest, and we had the um, book by Charles Hello. Spurgeon. Ingrid, we're going to have to end now, so I'm sorry, but you um, save it for next week, or, or I'll let you say in a few minutes. But anyway, Charles Spurgeon, the Beatitudes, it is a wonderful book. He takes each Beatitude, and he goes into it with such love and reverence and depth. I I can't, I wanted to talk about it. In our Bible studies, we have spoken about it. I know I I brought it up. So we've had Bible studies on the Beatitudes we can listen to. Okay, Ingrid, right before we close now. Sure. Go ahead.
8: Just, I'm bringing the promise in Isaiah. So beautiful for anyone that wants that type of life. It says the lion and the lamb will lie together. And that's just such a loving thing. The lion is always, uh, you know, such a cruel uh, beast and all that, and yet the vision is the lion and the lamb will lie together, and that's the kind of life that uh, the vegan way or, or the vegetarian way will bring. So anyone that
0: wants that,
8: just go ahead.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and and it brings out too. That the, you know, that the beasts won't eat, because that's another thing, the beasts eat each other, but that will all stop. It will all stop. It's
1: It's a matter of time, that's it.
0: Yes, yes. All right. We have time to, I thought we'd end on Parthen's forum, which was about probation.
4: Yeah, Parthen's quotes from, first from William Blake. He says, quote, we have put on earth a space that we might learn to bear the beams of love. End quote. And then he quotes a couple things from the first edition of Science and Health. Quote, the hour of darkness will come to those who improve not the preparatory school of the present to fit them for the future, but would step suddenly into all the benefits of experience. End quote. And he says, this now moment is the preparatory school of the present. And another quote from the first edition the science of life enables us to come out from the world and be separate, to reach the moral distance between life that is spirit and the supposed life of matter, and live apart from all that is sickness, sin, or death. End quote. And then he says In proportion to the determination and perseverance with which I attend to the things of spirit here and now, the death grip of the five senses will tremble and falter until its strength is utterly exhausted. The more I refuse to play hooky from this prep school and its required courses, the more prepared I am for the hereafter.
0: (laughs) I love that. And then one other short thing. Thank you.
4: Excerpt from Day in the Blue Book by Mary Baker Eddy. Just for today, I will know that I am God's child under his protection, and that no plague can come nigh my dwelling. Just for today, I will know that God is good, and that God is love, and that he knoweth them that trust him. Just for today, I will know that I have strength to meet and conquer every claim of error And that under the guidance of divine principle, I will be led to throw open the door for the entrance of truth. And know that through that same door, error is cast out. Then with a sweet sense of God's nearness, I will know that yesterday has gone and left no bitterness. And that today is big with blessings, that tomorrow belongs to God. And to realize this today eliminates all worry and pain and trouble and brings us peace and happiness. Mary Baker
0: Thank you all so much for joining us today.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you.